Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mammoth. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. Living Corporate is brought to you by the Liberated Love Notes Podcast, part of the Living Corporate Network. The Liberated Love Notes Podcast is a starting point for integrating self and community affirmations into your daily practices. The Liberated Love Notes podcast center the experience of black folks existing in white systems and speaks to overcoming imposter syndrome, disrupting injected and internalized forms of oppression, embodying an abundance mindset, and building a healthy racial identity. Check out Liberated Love Notes podcast wherever you listen to podcasts hosted by Brittany Janae Harris. Hey, everybody, this is See It To Be It, the Wednesday podcast from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. I didn't know what those jobs looked like or how to break into them. I didn't even know they existed. But this show isn't about me. It's about my guests. Every week, I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is Vivian Blade. She's someone I met through National Speakers Association's Kentucky chapter. She is a friend of mine. Uh, We've worked together in the past, and she's absolutely brilliant. She just released a new book called Resilience Ready, and we're going to talk about that and more. But before we get to the interview, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss how you can more effectively search for jobs on LinkedIn. When applying online, there are so many factors that play into being seen by employers. LinkedIn has some great filter and sorting options that can help you narrow down your results and even potentially increase your odds of being seen. I'm not going to talk about standard filters like location or company, but some that you may not have even known existed. The first filter is date posted. We know that the sooner you get your application in, the higher the likelihood of the recruiter or hiring manager reviewing it. By default, your job search results will show results from any time, but you can use this filter to only display jobs posted within the last 24 hours, the past week, 
or the past month. The second filter is under 10 applicants. The average job posting gets anywhere from 150 to 250 applicants. So if you can be one of the first people to get your application in, you're more likely to be considered for the role. The third filter is in your network. We know the best way to land jobs is through networking and referrals. By using this filter, you'll only bring up jobs where you have a connection. You can then reach out to that connection for an informational interview or even a referral depending on your relationship with them. The last four filters I'm going to discuss together because I think they can work well in tandem and they are experience level, job type, industry, and job function. You can filter your job search by specific levels of experience, job industry, particular skills, or even by full-time, part-time, contract, and more. Suppose you're trying to move into a senior level leadership role, transition into a new industry, or just exploring what options are out there based on the skills or expertise you have. These settings can help you narrow down the possibilities. Lastly, don't forget to set up job alerts. You can create job alerts on LinkedIn to stay updated on new job postings that match your preferences. You can choose to receive these alerts daily or weekly through the email, app, notifications, or both. Start by searching for a job on LinkedIn. At the top left of the job search results page, switch the job alert toggle to on to create a job alert for that search criteria. Instead of spending hours searching for your ideal role, try using some of these filters and sorting options to cut down on your job search time. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network, hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach, and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, the leadership range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to See It To Be It. My guest today is my friend and one of my collaboration partners and just all around amazing colleague, Vivian Blade. Vivian works with the world's top brands, equipping leaders with the resilience that inspires teams to recover quickly in the face of ongoing disruption and to thrive in spite of insurmountable odds. And I know the last year has certainly put that to the test. Welcome to the show, Vivian. Thank you very much, Amy. I'm excited to be here. I am so glad to have you. I love interviewing people I know. Um, I love interviewing people I don't know too, but it's always fun to learn about this kind of career aspect of people that I've met since they've been out on their own because I don't typically know all of the stuff that happened before I met you. So today I get to learn that. So do my listeners. So can you talk to us a little bit about your career journey that led you to where you are now? Yes, absolutely. You know, I was very, very fortunate and blessed uh, with my career path. And it started after graduate school with an MBA. I 
got into the management intern program at Humana, where I had the opportunity to see different parts of the business. My, my MBA concentration was in finance. So I started out in finance. My second rotation was in marketing, which was so much fun. I had an opportunity to do a third rotation, but I chose to stay in marketing, place out of the program as a marketing manager. Um, I stayed at Humana for uh, nine years um, doing you know, various marketing roles and, and progressing in my career. And a colleague of mine had gone over to work for GE Appliances in the direct marketing um, area for the warranty management business, recruited me over there. And so that's how my career within GE began. And I really had phenomenal opportunities there and, and really the growth of my career and a lot of lessons learned happened during my career tenure there for almost 13 years. Um, but I started out in warranty management, um, doing direct marketing. Jack Welch had just started the Lean, well, at that time, it wasn't Lean yet. It was Six Sigma, uh, the Six Sigma initiative, and said, if you want to grow your career in this company, you've got to go through being a full-time, uh, having a full-time spot in the Six Sigma organization. So I had gotten my green belt certification, took a black belt role in a marketing and product management uh, within the Six Sigma organization, had the opportunity to launch new technology. So the Advanium speed cooking oven was new. And um, I had an opportunity to work on that, was recognized by the GE company with the Lewis Latimer uh, Innovation Award for my work in helping to launch that technology. Um, Gosh, from there, I uh, had an opportunity to go to e-commerce where you know, all of the, the e-commerce digitization was starting to grow and, and um, we were doing more selling through our dealer network online. And so that was part of my responsibility uh, in that role. Um, from there, I had an opportunity to come back to product management, running one of the pieces of the portfolio, so a P&L of sourced cooking products. And what that means is that I had an opportunity to work with manufacturers around the world to design and source uh, cooking products, different, mostly niche uh, products. And uh, from there, had an opportunity to come back to Lean Six Sigma. So I was asked to lead for our consumer and industrial division at the time the customer experience initiative. Uh, and you know, again, sort of on the forefront of, of new um, strategies, the net promoter score. I don't know how many of you have heard about or your companies and organizations use net promoter, but that was new. And so I was asked to lead that for our division and was part of the GE steering committee to, um, to lead all of, all of that effort. Um, in 2008, 2009, um, 2007, 2008, GE was going to either spin off or sell the appliances division. Um, and so began thinking about what would I do if that happened? And then the downturn in 2000, 2008, 2009 occurred. And I was impacted. My job was impacted. I was laid off. Um, previous to that, had had to lay off members of my team. And, and then... Um, in that second wave, uh, I was impacted. So how I got to where I am today was really all of that experience, that career experience that I just described to you that I had, 
over the course of my time in GE, had a lot of leadership development, professional development, career development uh, as well. So I had the opportunity from being laid off to take all of that experience um, and all of that learning and use that to help other organizations and professionals to succeed uh, you know, in driving change and uh, developing leaders and helping professionals be successful in their careers. So long story short, that's how I got to where I am today. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. And I, I, there are a couple of things I wanted to follow up on about that, because it sounds like from what you described that you know, you kind of got your first job because of your MBA program. There was sort of a feeder into a company, right? It was pretty, pretty much a natural next step. But then it sounds like everything after that was everything after the marketing job at Humana uh, was really about your network and who tapped you on the shoulder and who gave you the inside scoop on what was available or what was important or what was valued. Can you talk a little more about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that is critically important. And even my first job out of graduate school was about my network, um, people actually that my husband knew. And um, from from that individual working in the human resources area within Humana helped me to meet the people who would help me to get into the management intern program to really launch my career start. But, you know, you're, you're right. Um, from then that transition over to GE and roles since the network of individuals who I was fortunate enough to, to meet, to, to develop relationships with, um, being part of the GE affinity group, um, employee resource group, we have different different names names for them. Uh, but the Women's Network, the African American Forum also gave me an opportunity to expand my network, be involved, very involved uh, with those affinity groups, and therefore had a little bit more exposure uh, to people who then could know more about me and help to let me know or or recommend me for a lot of those opportunities um, when they when they came about. So you're absolutely right. It's a lot about the network. And I want to go back to this notion of, you know, here you were, you were you were nationally recognized by your company as an innovator. You were somebody who was moving up. You had clearly they had invested a lot in you um, in developing your skills and to giving you experiences. And they got a lot back from you and what you were able to contribute. So at no point in this whole process were you not performing or not a highly valued employee. And that still wasn't enough to keep you there post-recession. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that felt like? Um, you know, it was devastating. Um, and, you know, to your point, I had given a lot. And one of the things that I learned is that that you do have to continue to deliver. You have to be on top of your game, be a high performer in order to have the opportunities for career advancement, to even be able to be considered. So, um, you know, so that, that part was critical. And, you know, even with all of that, to your point, at the point of the downturn, there were people who had been there a friend of mine, 23 years, and um, lost her job during the downturn. Um, 
company. And then that's part of, of, of why I wrote about resilience too. And we can talk about that a little bit later, but that was tough. Um, my faith and my network really helped me to get through, through that. So there was really something very, very specific that helped me to navigate that time. And I'll talk about that briefly, but um, a colleague of mine um, who also worked for GE lived in the Texas area. I had gone down to a conference. They invited me to, to church with them for a revival one evening. Marvin Sapp, who is a gospel artist and, um, and a, a pastor, was the visiting pastor for the revival. And he talked about Second Chronicles chapter 20, which is about uh, a king and a small country who were very um, committed and loyal to their faith and to God, who had heard about um, being prophesied to about a bigger country coming in to fight them. Uh, you know, they, they prayed. And at the end of the day, God took care of them. And they were able to reap the rewards of their enemy uh, and take advantage of those opportunities. And so I saw that as a message that I could use to help other professionals who were going through layoffs at the time with some of my own team, who initially I had to either help find positions or, or lay off. And, um, but then later on, it spoke to me. So that was one of the things that helped me to get through. I think some of the other thinking previously about what would I do if GE were to sell or spin off this business and, and I didn't have a job here anymore, what would I do? And so those pre-planning thoughts around starting a consulting practice, you know, really helped me to jumpstart my business. But um, it was very emotional and having given to your point so much to the business and feeling like I had committed so much and, you know, you, you work hard, you give all those extra hours, but I also knew that those were hard decisions for people to make. And even for, for my boss, um, that was a tough decision. There were no e easy decisions. So I realized that to help keep myself holistic, that I needed not to take it personally and try to remember what my personal value was. And so, you know, and then of course there were people in my corner and people in my network who, who were helping me and helped me to get a start in this business. But, you know, all of that um, contributed to getting through that time. Yeah, you know, early in my career, it, it, it's odd to say it now, but early in my career, I was blessed to lose my job often. And I got really good at what I call having one foot on solid ground and feeling for my next step with my other foot mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I did that my whole career. Yeah. Um, people who have been in a job for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and don't have that experience, it can be very devastating, um, mm -hmm. you know, when that, when the ground starts to shake. And the reason I brought up, you know, your history with the company and, and all of that investment, we we talked on the show uh, to my friend Katrina Roddy, and she wrote a book called Steal Your Skills from Corporate. And she talks about how you just take everything you learn and it's yours once you've learned it. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's what you did. Um, but also, you know, that there, work is a season, right? The, these jobs are, are seasons in our careers. They're not absolute. And I think a lot of times, especially young people, um, they don't start out thinking I am my job, Right. They get the job and then they start to think, well, this is who I am now. 
and someday I'll be this. And they start climbing and they start moving up and the job becomes so much of a sense of their identity. At some point when that job is gone, they lose part of, you know, in their minds, right? They've lost part of who they are as well. And I'm wondering if you, I know you talk about this in your book a little bit, but I'm wondering if you can, you know, as people are kind of facing right now, a similar existential crisis to what we faced in 2008, right? It's kind of the reverse. Um, A year ago, going into the pandemic, people were losing jobs left and right. And now the narrative Mm -hmm. is companies can't find good people and keep them. Um, But there's going to be a lot of turnover for the next few years in both directions, I would imagine, as demand changes and shifts. What advice do you have for people as they're thinking about the next five years of their careers? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about a couple of things. I think that's a great perspective uh, and a uh, great question, Amy. Um, I think about a couple of things. One, your yourself and then your contributions and connections to the organization where you may be today. Um, first, I think we have to consider what do we want our careers to be? Um, and we don't necessarily write the steps and everything falls into place perfectly, you know, along the way. So, you know, but if we don't have a vision and an idea of where we want to go and what we want to do, then we can't take meaningful steps toward that to lead us to, you know, even things that are beyond what we imagine we might be able to do and, and really takes advantage of our full potential. But um, so thinking about what it is you want from your career and where can you get the experience, develop your skill and develop your network to help you move forward toward your goals and know that a career is is made up of stepping stones. So, you know, given what I want to do in the future, I know that there are going to be two or three or four steps in between that are gonna help give me what I need to be competent, to be able to knock the ball out of the park when I get to that point. So I think that's one thing. And then secondly, I think we can't um, absorb ourselves so much with what might happen, you know, given the instability of the workplace and our jobs right now. Um, because if we are so worried about that all the time or fearful about that, then it's hard for us to, to deliver, you know, each and every day and do what we need to do without that worry. You know, and there are two things to worry about. So one, our job. And then secondly, sometimes we're so worried about the next step, the next job that we fail to really keep our focus on and do a great job where we are today, which needs to be your primary focus. But, you know, be concerned about what can I do to add value to this organization and make sure other people know about it. Um, You know, not that we're just just touting ourselves, but we can put our money where our mouth is and other people can see that and feel that and we're making meaningful contributions. Um, Fuel forward, my uh, first book that I published is all about this topic, really, of career advancement, how you navigate your career um, toward the future. But, you know, to, to get back to your question, um, this environment that we're in, we really have to be solid in who we are, adapt our skill set. You know, what does our organization need from us and how can we add value and be those partners to, to, you know, give our best and be seen as a value add contributor. 
Yeah. And I love one thing that you said that I love, and, and this is a common theme on this show, believe it or not, is you have to let people know what you're doing and know what you've accomplished and know what you've contributed. Um, because a lot of folks, especially folks from, from historically excluded groups, um, especially people who grew up maybe in working class families, are, are frequently told, put your head down, do a good job, mind your own business and let them notice you. And we know that doesn't work. And you said, you know, you have to put your money where your mouth is, but I think the reverse is, is true for a lot of us. We have to learn to put our mouth where our money is mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. nobody tells us that. Did you find mm -hmm. that to be true for yourself? Absolutely. You know, when, and, and growing up in my professional career in GE, I had a lot of career development, career advice, sponsors, mentors that helped me along the way, incredibly fortunate for, for what I learned. And from that learning, I wrote the book Fuel Forward. So just to emphasize quickly the things that you're talking about, our career is built on a foundation of our execution. That is table stakes, gives us the opportunity to play in the career advancement arena, to be considered for additional roles. Then there are what I call three accelerators, your reputation, your reach, and your relationships your reputation, your professional brand, you know, there are these, these core, um, you know, brand variables that, that we have to manage and be mindful of. Uh, and one of those is making sure that we tell our story uh, and that we make decisions about what we want our brand to be and that we represent that each and every day. Um, secondly, uh, is reach that second accelerator and reach comes from the advertising term which is the awareness or the reach that your brand message has to a given target audience so who do you want to reach what are we doing to make sure that people uh, know our story our message what our value is but we also have the opportunity to demonstrate that who is it in it is it that is important to be aware of who we are and what we can contribute uh, and that we are intentionally reaching out to create connections and reaching out to bring people aware of who we are and the value we bring. And then there are the relationships. We have our, our, um, our allies, our acquaintances, we have advocates, we also have adversaries. So I talk a lot about what those four relationships are and how to manage each of those relationships uh, in our career management process. So you're speaking my language, Amy. <laughs> I love it. And I have to, I'm embarrassed to admit, I have not yet read Fuel Forward, um, but I was lucky enough to be one of the earlier readers of Resilience Ready, which is your new book. And can you just tell us a little bit about what prompted you to write Resilience Ready in this moment in time? Yes. Uh, last year, given where we were in the pandemic and everything that was going on, you know, in fact, I had begun to write a book um, and was writing not resilience ready, but really a book about how you move forward in the face of career crossroads. And as we began to get into the pandemic, Everything was shutting down. People were stuck. I was stuck myself in fear, the uncertainty, not knowing what was next. 
And I began to really rethink about my purpose. What can I do in this time right now to help professionals, to help leaders, to get through this time and to make a difference uh, and to help their teams and their organizations to, to get through this time? And so I really shifted what I was writing about at that career crossroads, because a lot of that was really, you know, how do we navigate during a crisis and a challenging time, make sure we can move forward? So I um, adapted what I was writing, really began to think about the topic of resilience and what it meant to be resilient, uh, how to become resilient, what are some of the things that are holding us back from being resilient. And so that's why I wrote this book. And you do a lot of work with companies helping them manage crises. Right. And not just COVID, but things like their reputation is damaged because an employee does something stupid online that draws negative attention or, um, you know, they have some, a big product recall that they need to manage, right, the publicity around or, you know, an executive leaves and now they've got to deal with, you know, the aftermath of that. And so you're not just telling this from a place of how to do this in your career. You're coming from a place of really deep expertise in crisis management mm -hmm. at this big, I'm not going to word this right, but like at a, on a massive scale, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the examples that you talked about, for example, a big pr product recall that you have to deal with. I've been there. I've been in the product management seat when that has happened and I've had to deal with that operationally. So I know crisis management from the operational aspects. And I, I also, you know, having been in Lean Six Sigma, I know the process improvement um, processes. I teach project management for the, the University of Louisville College of Business. And so, you know, I know the operational side and how that works. I can help you through that, help organizations through that. Um, also, and a lot of what Resilience Ready is about is about the human capital element, because a lot of times when we are focused on the checklist or you know, the, the process improvement process, we are not as focused on the human capital element, which is critically important for any change. And we're in this you know, change environment, we have been, but whether it's a crisis whether it's the change that we're going through, whether where we, we experience reluctance and resistance to change, you know, how do we engage our teams, the individuals, the, the people, the humans in the process to help deal with the emotion, the challenge that everyone's going through, the overwhelm that everyone is going through and pull everyone along uh, to have a seat at the table uh, to be able to get through it collectively and put the operational aspects along with the human capital aspects of change and crisis to be successful in moving forward and thriving through it, not just surviving through it. And I think that is so important because typically when something happens, right, the, the something, the capital S, right, something happens, people are more stressed and they're asked to work just a little bit harder mm -hmm. and they're working with other people who are more stressed, who are also working just a little bit harder and the complaints start to come in and there's some churn and then somebody leaves and it's almost like this spiraling downward 
And what you're helping people do is really just stop that in its tracks so they can maintain everything that's working Mm -hmm. and fix the stuff that isn't at the same time, right? That's right. I talk with my hands a lot, which people can't see on the podcast, but I did a brilliant Amy sign language demonstration of of what we were just discussing. I just want you to (laughs) Yes, she did. Yes, I can attest to that. Yes, she did. Um, You know, absolutely, uh, Amy, because um, what is critical is for us to remember that we are human beings. You know, and there is stress cost organizations more than $300 billion a year in turnover, lost productivity, healthcare costs, absenteeism, you know, all of those elements are affected and they are real, they are real. And we have seen that more prevalently this past year with the pandemic than we have maybe in other crises or challenges that we're dealing with uh, in our organizations. But never mind the size and the scale, those areas of impact are there and they have to be dealt with or they, they grow into bigger issues and they can create Uh, challenges for the success of your change process of the crisis that you're going through of what you're trying to implement. So you have to deal with that, with that element. Absolutely. What I talk about in Resilience Ready is our typical reaction when we face a crisis or a challenge, we have that uncertainty in front of us. And you talked about the spiraling down. When we have so much that's out of our control, again, there's so much uncertainty in front of us, we can respond as a victim. Um, you know, there's, this has happened to me. I didn't ask for this. What's going on? There's nothing I can do about it. Um, this is the, the hand that I have been dealt. And we can respond again more helplessly uh, as a victim. Oftentimes we begin that way. We don't have to stay in that place. But sometimes we do move to the point of where, well, you know, it's been some time. Again, this is the hand that I've been dealt. I'm going to settle for this. I'm beginning to learn how to get through it and how to make it. So I, I begin to settle. You know, after a time, we get to the point where we're surviving. We're doing okay. Uh, we can, we've gotten our survival strategy, you know, how to make it. Um, you know, you know, we're getting along maybe a little bit better than we were before, not quite the victim or settling as much. But we haven't yet gotten to the point where we could be. We're not taking advantage of the possibilities or um, we're scared. We're stuck. You know, we're frozen in where we are right now. And it's not until we take that next step into our stage, the next stage in our crisis response of being courageous, where we really think about. What is the one next best thing that I can do, the step that I can take to help to move from this point, to move forward to a better condition, to get to the point where we can thrive. And that is the fifth stage of our internal crisis responses. Now we're taking action. We're not settling. We're not staying where we are. We're going past surviving, having the courage to figure out what can I do And how can I thrive where I'm beginning to click again on all cylinders? I've figured out that I'm in a change continuum, that 
you know, things are going to continue to evolve. But I figured out how to look at those situations, how to change my perspective, and how to take action toward, you know, here's the vision of what I want my future to be, the future of this organization, to be my team, to be as a leader, you know, and engaging your team in those conversations in the process. But you know, getting to that point where I'm not just surviving, but I am thriving as I go through and, and get through a crisis. We're not going to enter a crisis in the thriving mode. And you know, we're human. We're going to go through some of those other stages. But it's those people who can use a lot of the resilience principles that I talk about in process to help them to get to that thriving stage, to rebound quickly. And going back, you know, you were talking about all these stepping stones in your career, right? How do you get to where you want to go? And it really is about taking just the next step and the next step and being intentional on in what those steps are, but understanding that the path may change, right? Because when, when a crisis happens or when a new opportunity comes around, or even in your own career, you know, you were talking about being on the new e-commerce team and then the new product management team, and then the new customer experience team. Those were jobs that didn't exist when you started. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. But by That's just right. keeping on those paths, right. By just keeping, you know, stepping forward and saying, what can I do next? What can I do next? You were able to forge a really rich path mm -hmm. to things that, that you could not have foreseen. That's right. And I think crisis does yeah. that for us as well. In a lot of cases, if we, if we play it right. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I would not have been prepared to take on some of those successive roles if I hadn't done some of the other roles previous. So you have to be attentive to and, and talk to people, understand what are the steps that are important to get you to where you want to be. And to your point, Amy, there were new opportunities that open up that I didn't even none of us really were aware of or, or knew that they would be in the future. But because I had taken the opportunity, again, to prepare myself at successive levels, get the experience, and to build my network of sponsors, uh, to take advantage of the career development, um, being in the African American Forum and the Women's Network, being very involved there, taking leadership roles in those so that I had opportunities for development. I also had opportunities for reach and exposure for people to know me and know what I was about and what I, I could do. Um, and then therefore there were people who were willing to go to bat for me to, um, and, and I had to speak up about what my interests were. So getting into that, customer experience leadership role back in Six Sigma as a, a master black belt, I would not have had that opportunity if the senior vice president of marketing at the time wasn't aware of my career interests. And, uh, and, and therefore, you know, she had the opportunity then to, to bring my name up, I, you know, and she wasn't the only one. I mean, I can, can think of other people. I mean, there was a time when I actually, when I took the role from Six Sigma as a black belt to e-commerce, the, my mentor, who was the general counsel for our, our business, um, he, his name is Raymond Burse. Uh, he got on me because I did not consult him. Actually, that was not the next best step for me. And he let me know that, 
but I took that role in isolation. You know, I, I, I probably talked to some other folks, but I didn't consult him who knew a lot more about the landscape and politically what roles I needed to take, the experience that I needed to have to have the kind of leadership career I wanted. So though that role did prove out to, to have some important development, um, it did put me a couple of years behind. So, you know, using your network of mentors and advocates and, and people who, who know the business and know the opportunities, you got to have some of those conversations. Yeah. And it's also good to have those people when, when crisis hits, right? Because mm -hmm. they can give you perspective that you don't have. Otherwise they can help you find Absolutely. the next opportunity. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you find that you've landed on your feet and they're struggling and you can start to give back. Oh, absolutely. Because mentoring is definitely two-way. You know, it is not, not one way. One of the resources that I have available with the Fuel Forward book, uh, a free download with that, with part of the resources for Fuel Forward is a mentoring guide. And it walks you through the mentoring relationship from uh, thinking about who your mentor might be and, and asking and engaging a mentor through having a constructive mentoring process to sunsetting a mentoring relationship, closing that relationship. And where can people find that? There are, um, there's availability of your uh, Fuel Forward book is on Amazon, Resilience okay. Ready is on Amazon. And if you go to fuelforwardbook.com slash resources, fuelforwardbook.com slash resources, then you can uh, get access to a variety of resources that go along with the Fuel Forward book. That is fantastic. Now, there are probably people listening to this who think, you know what, my company needs some help managing crisis. They need help getting us through, remembering that their employees are stressed out as they are. Mm -hmm. um, if they want to mention your name in rooms um, where people could bring you in to, to give some of this support, in their organizations, where is the best place for them to find you? You can email me at Vivian at VivianBlade.com. So Vivian at VivianBlade.com. My website is VivianBlade.com. Um, my LinkedIn profile, you'll find me there, Vivian Blade. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Also, you might wanna check out ResilienceReady.today, which is the website or the Resilience Ready book, you'll also find some additional resources and information. There's a free webinar there as well about resilience and being resilience ready that you might want to check out. Excellent. Thank you so much. We'll make sure we get those links in the show notes. Vivian, I want to thank you for sharing just a little bit more with me about your career journey, but more importantly, um, sharing all of these amazing lessons with our listeners. Um, you are such a great resource to me and such a good friend, and I'm so glad to have you. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate the opportunity to share. I wish the best to your listeners and to you and appreciate our friendship so much and our collaboration as well. You've been such a great partner to me. So thank, thank you for you. that. You're very kind. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Break Room. Have you ever felt burnt out, depressed, or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work? You know what I'm talking about. Hosted by black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, The Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. 
name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. All right, was it Vivian fun? What I love about Vivian is that she has taken all of this knowledge, all of this experience that she's gotten in all of these corporate roles where she was really invested in. I mean, these companies really develop their people. And she realized she had this collection of knowledge that was valuable beyond her current role, beyond just her own head, right? And she's able to then pour into others all of this that she's learned, all of this experience and knowledge and education that she has. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. And hey, you can really help us out by leaving a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're new here, you may be thinking, Amy, there are only five stars. Okay, give us all those stars, but then go the next step by leaving a couple of sentences in your own words telling us what you liked about the guest or the episode or the series. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. See It to Be It is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a certified woman and LGBTQ-owned business dedicated to helping organizations turn their reclusive nerds into inclusive leaders. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. That's it for this week's episode of See It to Be It. This is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'll see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.